This episode of InsureTech Insider is proudly brought to you by Deloitte. They are focused on uniting the bright ideas from InsureTech with large-scale traditional carriers and everything in between, bringing their wealth of industry experience and technology know-how into the mix and helping to drive the pace of change and transform insurance as we know it. Hello and welcome to this special episode of InsureTech Insider, straight from the Empire Startups New York Fintech Week 2019. I'm Sarah Kachansky, and for today's show, I have three interviews with some of the most interesting players on the American InsureTech startup scene. For this episode, my co-host Sam Moore caught up with Quentin Coolin from Waffle and Ryan Rugg from R3 Corder, while I had the pleasure of catching up with Rashmi Melgiri from CoverWallet. We hope that you will enjoy these incredible interviews just as much as we enjoyed recording them. So first up, here's Sam sitting down with Quentin Coolin, CEO of Waffle. Hey everybody, welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews. I'm Sam Mall. We're at Empire Startups New York Fintech Week Conference, first week here in April. And our first interview of the day is Quentin Coolin. He's the CEO of Waffle. We are sitting in a bar. We are. We're we're at a bar. So the visual for this is really cool, although it's like 9.30 in the morning. It perfect. It works with branding perfectly. So well done. Yeah, let's go right to the branding because we were having discussions in the car about this. So the name of the company is Waffle. First, can you give me the 30-second pitch? What is Waffle? Sure. So we're basically creating SAM insurance. So one policy covering everything that you need and care about. It's basically your car, your home, your life, your health, your Apple Watch, your jewelry, your travel, even your friends and family. And the sexy thing, it's not sexy. It's It's sexy. No, it's insurance. The sexy thing that we've done is that we've built a new kind of risk model. So if you think about the way the traditional insurance companies calculate the risk, they would say, oh, what is the risk of Sam as a driver or Sam as a homeowner, right? We do, we calculate Sam's risk as an individual. And so we gather more diversified data about you. In the process, we understand you better and price you better. Now we know it's a big claim to make, right? And uh, we can back it up and we build proven, tested the model at MIT against real US insurance companies data and it works. Yeah, 10 years ago, I would have laughed at that comment, you know, personalized insurance yeah. at an individual level. Personalized yeah. anything yeah, yeah. at an individual level. I laughed at that. I don't anymore. Because what, what we've been able to do with data, right? And, Absolutely. And I'm sure your algorithms are incredible. So Well, we hope they are. Yeah, yeah. But nah, it's they, okay. Say they are. Okay, they are. Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, they are. And, 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 and it's cool. So, but to... <laughs> You know, at the same time, you also see a trend in insure tech, right? You, you, you hear a lot of insure tech sort of bashing the industry, saying, oh, yeah. all these assholes are trying to screw us and all that stuff. You can dismiss 400 years of understanding of risk. So we, we are actually relying quite a bit on the understanding of risk and the expertise of the industry because we think it's critical. But we try to innovate on, on other things, and we can talk about it. No, yeah. I, I agree 100% with you. Um, we, and one thing I want to get out of the way, too, because we're having debates about this in the car coming over, Waffle. Yeah. Okay, so how do I get from waffle to insurance in this yeah. app? Okay, so it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm Belgian, right? Okay. But if you think about insurance, it's siloed. You have your car insurance, that's a vertical. You have your life insurance, your health insurance. All these are verticals. We are basically putting the horizontals in them. So it looks like a grid and looks like a waffle. And it's people like waffle. Most people like waffle. And you know what? Those who don't like waffle, they remember the name anyway. So we're good with that. Absolutely love it. I didn't even think of the Belgian side of it. So there you go. <laughs> it's way too early in the morning. I know. <laughs> I do like you said that you're building insurance for Sam and that it's sexy. So yeah. already this is my favorite interview okay. today. Perfect. We well, stop. Yeah, I think we can the start bar. the day here then. 
So you, you talked a little bit about this. We got, we got an industry that is literally hundreds of years old. Yeah. And like you said, the underwriting models, the decision-making that's there, it's not losing all that, no. but modernizing yeah. it. So I get that problem. Yeah. From a consumer standpoint, do you think they're ready for an all-in-one in the U.S.? Are they ready so, for that? So, yes. Because, okay. uh, I mean, and we came into this, listen, I'm, I'm a lawyer by training. My co-founders are bankers and mathematicians. We have a bunch of awesome people. Working Someone else is like a chemist or something, right? Yeah. So uh, Sam, who's the investment banker, was trained as a chemist, right? So we have very diversified background. But we came into this not knowing, not having operationalized insurance, right? So we didn't have real experience of it. Now, what, what we discovered is that not only are people ready for this, and we've done tons of customer uh, uh, reviews and, and interviews and, and, and surveys, um, the one thing that comes out a lot, and you, you might be feeling the same, or people of your team might be feeling the same, every time you get this policy, it was 40 page long, right? Yeah. You have like a shitload of exclusions, right? And so we started to think, okay, big data is great, but how, how do you address those exclusions? So we basically have innovated on the insurance coverage itself. So that's really not sexy at all. But we basically ask you, Sam, to design your coverage. So you're the one in charge. So you don't have a blanket with like 40 million of pages of holes in it. You design exactly what you want. And so in, by doing it this way, we think we engage a customer much more. The customer is much more aware of what's in, your, in his policy. I bet you don't know what the exclusions are for your home or your car. Policy. I couldn't remotely tell you exactly, what I have. Right, and and this is a problem because most people file a claim and they're told, "Oh, I'm so sorry, Sam, but your insurance doesn't cover X, Y, Z." So we flip the model, uh, uh, and so we think that people are the combination of the one-stop shop, like the all-in-one. And the design of the coverage, I think, makes a lot of sense for people. At yeah. least that's what the data shows. I mean, the website is well done, by the way. Um, and um, I love the customer interview side of it. You talked about that yeah. briefly. Would anything come out of those interviews where you went, holy crap, right? How, how hasn't this been addressed before? Um, so, uh, you mean on the customer side? Yeah, those side? video sides that you had are great. Where What do people really think about insurance? So, um, the one thing that is shocking is that people have no freaking clue what is covered. Hey, man. Yeah. And I'm running an insurance company, and I have no idea what my insurance is up, right? <laughs> so it's, okay. I'm not blaming I'm others. I'm, I'm the first one. I'm with you. So that's, that's number one. Second, we realize that people just um, hate insurance at, as, as sort of a default position, but they don't really actually know that most of their claims end up being honored at the end of the day. But sometimes it takes a really long time. It's really painful. How many days and hours do you waste arguing with an insurance company? And that's the, the thing that we want to change. That's what digital you know, offers a real opportunity. And you have you know, great fintech, uh, great insurtech that have done great stuff. Uh, people sometimes bash lemonade. I actually love the lemonade design and the way that, that they approach the customer experiences. I have a lemonade policy. I think it's yes. great. Uh, we do things differently than them, but we think there is a, a real value in some of the, the innovation they've brought uh, into the into the intro tech space. So giving you some props on the UX side, because that is incredibly important, right? Yeah. So this is an app. I love the very simple button you had that said something bad happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. speak in the language of the e customer. Exactly, right? exactly. And, and we also try, so most of our, of our coverage is, is designed in a way that you can just forward us an email or take a picture and then there's an automatic claim process. Now, it's not possible for everything. So for auto and home, it's usually more complicated. But yet, we've we sort of built technology that allows us to massively reduce the time that it would be traditionally spent on, 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 on handling your claim. So, and you, get, you tend to get money very quickly, even though afterwards it may take one or two days to fully, uh, to fully handle the claim. So we, we try to be really on the side of customers so that they see the real value. 
So what's the, um, the hook with MIT? Because, by the way, nice hook, right? If, yeah. if I'm looking for somebody to build something yeah. and they're coming out of MIT, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, the three founders we all met at MIT, we were all there at the same time. Um, uh, Sam and I more on the, on the, on the business, and, 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 uh, business side of things. And Michael, he's still doing his PhD in machine learning at MIT on Waffle. So that's great for us because it's nice. a, 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 a cool uh, organic connection and, and we, we very much like that. So you guys started last year, right? So we, we, yeah, we incorporated in, in August 2018, right? And yes. you were backed by Techstars. So we, yeah, we first by MIT Delta V. Uh, so we received money from them. Uh, then by Techstars. And now we've secured the first round of, of funding. And we're trying to go under the radar, which is why I'm here, which makes no sense. Which explains why we're sitting in a bar. Because you've done exactly. the first round of We should like pop something. Dude. I agree. I agree. Just for that. Yeah, raising the funding size, just a joy, isn't it? Um, Does your law yes. background help with that? I don't, uh, I'm curious. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, lawyers are usually bullshit, though. So I don't know. People maybe buy my bullshit. Dude, you're know. raising, you're doing funding. <laughs> no, but uh, listen, what, what is interesting is our approach, I think, is a bit different from the traditional intratech. I don't want to speak for other people. but no, I'll agree we, with you. Looking yeah. at what I've seen, yeah. it is. It's so I'm, I'm, I'm a human rights lawyer. I work for the UN, right? I was a speechwriter for Kofi Annan, right? So I have nothing to do with insurance. I found myself in the industry working at the UN, building partnership with the industry, the UN and the World Bank. So that's how I got to know the world. Yeah, I was going to ask, what, what prompted you specifically? Yeah, to, so, it's a weird pivot. So we created something called the Insurance Development Forum. It's like a big partnership between the CEOs of the largest insurance companies in the world, the World Bank and the UN. And the scheme is we're going to protect... Uh, communities and countries that are vulnerable to uh, to climate change and other natural disasters, right? And so we created a private scheme. So so that's how really I got into into insurance. But to go back to your funding question, um, we go to the industry first. So, so the the first round of funding, we we were like 350% overcommitted, but we only took the money of people who really understand risk, who really understand the business, and and people can dismiss that out of hand because it's a critical component of. Of, of making this a success, we believe. And that's why we have the partners that we have in the industry. It's, they're not the traditional partner that the insurtech go to. Uh, they're the more conservative one, the, the people who do real due diligence. And we don't mind going the hard way, even if it takes a little bit longer. We you like know, that. I think that's a really good point for those um, who are looking to, to start companies and, yeah. and disrupt. We love saying yeah. that name yeah. and throw that I hate out that the word. term. Yeah. So do I, it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but ignoring, like you said, industries that have been around for hundreds of years yeah. and just saying, yeah, because we have no background in it, we're going to start way over here. Yeah. There's so many lessons to be learned. Oh, hands down. And, and not just learn, it's like you can reinvent everything right. because the Geico modeling is optimized to the very last cent. We take a different approach than them, but nobody can come here and claim that they model better than Geico. Nobody does, right? So, and, and people would tell you that, oh, insurance is bullshit, it ranks. No, it, it isn't. There is a reason that there are these exclusions. Now, we're making a, a strategic decision to flip the way that the coverage is made, but otherwise we couldn't just uh, remove exclusion. It just wouldn't work. There is a reason these things are there. Right? That's what so, I mean. so reflecting on, on your journey over this past year, what's next, right? If you look out the next year or two. Yeah, sure. So we are launching in Q1 2020 in California. Uh, we've signed- California. With, in California, yeah. Uh, big market. Cali big market. Um, uh, uh, we're going for, not millennials, I hate that word too, but like younger professionals around 28, 29. Um, we're making over 120, 150,000 because they're less price sensitive, they're more yeah. value sensitive, which fits well in, 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 our, in our approach. Um, and uh, yeah, so launch Q1 2020, and then we'll expand 
uh, to, to, to other states probably in 2021. That, so, that's the goal. So where's the best place for the people to find out more? I mean, obviously the website's really good. Let's start yeah. there, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can go on the website. Uh, we to, to be to be completely honest with you, we try to be to go a bit under the radar yeah, now that we've stealth. raised and. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, people can can sign up for the uh, the um, you know early access, and then and then we'll send periodic news about where we are. Uh, the goal is very much to launch in March 2020, so uh, we'll be ready for that. We have everything now in place, so. We're just building and building and building and testing. I, I don't want to raise expectations too much because I'm, I'm I, you know, you ask about my lawyer background, yeah. maybe that's the big difference. I can't do the, the whole like fake it till you make it stuff. I can't stand and say, hey, we've built this. This is awesome. We're going to be three trillion. I, I don't know how to do that. So we're trying to lower expectations. So far, it's going really well. So so we are we are very excited by that. Well, Everybody check it out. Um, we're, one, going to get you back on our other podcast, InsureTech Insider, because this is a perfect fit. It'd be fascinating to cool. see where we can take that. Awesome. Good luck, man. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate right. it. Thanks. Next up, Sam meets Ryan Rugg, Global Head of Insurance at R3 Corder. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another InsureTech Insider interview. I'm Sam Mall. We're here at Empire Startups. We're joined by Ryan Rugg, the Global Head of Insurance at R3 Corda. Ryan, how are you? Wonderful. Thanks she for actually, having me. You got like stalked right before we came in here because you just spoke. <laughs> and that's what happens, right? I bet that guy followed you all the way from the stage, desperate to I had to go questions. up two floors, so I'm, I'm actually interested how he did find me. I can guarantee you <laughs> that he was chasing <laughs> as soon as you got off stage. But thanks for coming over. First question um, I have to ask for, for the listeners that are um, a little bit uninitiated about what R3 does. Can you talk a little bit about R3 and your role? Yeah, absolutely. So um, R3 started in September 2015 when nine banks approached our CEO, Dave Rutter, that were spending hundreds, if not millions of dollars on blockchain technology. Uh, They decided to band together and form the R3 consortium. Um, By the end of 15, we had grown to 42 banks. And at that point, we cut off membership. We decided to test all the different ledgers out there. So Ethereum, Eris, Chain, Quorum, Fabric, and so forth. Because the idea was to fork one of them and build you know, products for a financial service on top. Unfortunately, due to security and scalability, none of them were fit for purpose. So uh, we built Corda from the ground up with our members for our members. Our CTO, Richard Gindle Brown, jokes all the t- time that it would have been a lot cheaper and easier just to fork one of them. But due to you know, security and scalability, it wasn't possible. Um, so I joined R3 about three years ago to expand the ecosystem past just banks. Um, and since then have seen a large amount of interest um, from the insurers. Insurance uh, in general is going through a digital transformation. Uh, blockchain is just one of the components that they're focused on. You know, if you think about um, AI, telematics, IoT, they're, they're focused on a lot of it. But I think of blockchain Corda as really that fundamental building block that allows you to have that shared operation model. So the broker, insurer, reinsurer all have the same contract. And when a claim comes in, it's updated in real time. So if there's an industry that is ripe for disruption, I hate that word, disruption, but I'm sorry, insurance. <laughs> in, in your case, it fits. If there's ever a, a century-old industry that, especially in the digital age, right, and the data and everything that we have that is ripe for disruption, it is insurance. And it does make sense that um, a, a solution like Corda, that blockchain is going to be involved as part of it. But before we get there, I found it interesting. You were at Chase for a long time. So you're not like yes. somebody who hasn't been in the industry. No. 
I uh, worked at JP Morgan. I worked at Morgan Stanley most of my career on the investment side, covering asset managers and insurers. I actually started out my career in technology at Lehman Brothers, so I'm dating myself. Okay. Um, and saw firsthand how inefficient some of these technology was. And I, you know, I came out of college thinking, you know. 21-year-old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, that I was going to, like, you know, completely renovate the whole technology of a, a large bank. Quickly realized that I was stapling paper together and looking up, you know, using Excel sheets to like settle trades. And I was like, this is not what I want to do. So I worked my way to the front office, where I was primarily covering insurers and asset managers from a strategic investment. And then I read an article about blockchain back in 15 in uh, the Economist, and was fascinated. I was, I was like, going to ask you, what was the pivot? So again, yeah. you're an executive at Chase at the time. So in 2015, you go in The Economist, you read an article, and you're like, uh-oh, I see uh, a sea change coming? Yeah, and you know, I was a computer yeah. science finance major, and I was like, if this technology was available when I first started out my career, it would have been extremely impactful. And you know, it was, it was just kind of the right time, kind of the interesting things that you were able to do in financial services post-crisis weren't there, you know, due to kind of tighter um, LCR requirements and banking requirements from Dodd-Frank. And I was like, if I'm ever going to make a career change, it's going to be now. So it's a bold move, though. It, it really was. is. Because <laughs> even in 2015, I mean, it's 2019, obviously, now that we're recording this, but, you know, when, when, when folks were talking about blockchain at the time, um, every conference obviously, right? It was a sweetheart of every conference and a million discussions on how it was going to end world poverty. And <laughs> there's actually at South by Southwest, just like a month ago, there was a panel on how it's going to end the opioid crisis. It's like, come on, please stop doing that. World you hunger. Know? It's, it's going to solve everything. Well, it had that. It yeah. had uh, fixed voting and everything else. And the reality is it is a transformational uh, technology as part of a much broader ecosystem. Absolutely. And transformational technology takes time. Safe statement to make? Yes. And I think that, you know, talking about kind of where we are in that hype cycle, we're definitely off the peak. We're kind of in that trough of enlightenment Agreed. where it's becoming a reality. We're starting to see, you know, ROI reports come out about what the true cost savings are from connecting disparate parties on, you know, one distributed ledger technology um, platform. And I think that's what's going to be the real powerful piece of it. Um, initially, we're seeing expense ratios come down, um, you know, but what I think what the future is, it's the new products, is the enabling, once you have all the data connected, um, you know, take um, Maersk, for instance. So Maersk went live on Corda last April um, with uh, broker insurer and reinsurer. And initially, it's to lower expense ratios. But through telematics, through AI, through IoT, they know where their ship is. They know uh, the if it's in pirate waters. They know the age of the hull. They know more information about their ships than they ever have. They don't want static insurance policy. If it's in safe waters in a young ship, I want a lower premium. I want a lower. So you're seeing almost the model of insurance shift as well. And it's from this digital transformation they're going through. I was going to ask you to give a, an example. I love one, that you did that without me asking, so you, you're good at this. Um, but two, I love that you went with Maersk, right? So we're talking about, for if people are Googling right now, we're talking about shipping, we're talking about logistics, we're talking about moving goods, and one of the largest companies in the world that has, has really taken a, a giant step, in my opinion, into technology solutions, including blockchain, including 3D printing, mm -hmm. including AI, including robotics. A ton of those ships barely have anyone on them. And, and you're talking, being able to track and move goods, and like you said, on the insurance side, and you throw GPS on top of that, is a massive use case. 
that I find fascinating. I, should, I need to actually do a whole show and on that, that one. And I think that is really the future where we are. Because first, step one is you know kind of lowering expense ratios. Because we're also seeing in the automobile industry, there's a consortium called Mobi um, that is made up of large you know auto OEMs as well as um, manufacturers that is really focused on smart cities, but also usage-based insurance, UBI they're calling it. So think of autonomous vehicles. If you're only in the car for an hour, why do you need an annual premium on your car? You don't. But right now, the way that insurance is done, if you've ever had to get car insurance, it's a massive pain. You have to call up the broker and fax them back and forth. They, you can't transfer the policy that fast. But once you have that shared operation model and you can share data real time with you know, each other, you could have that type of model. That's, so I think that's yeah. fascinating. That's that transformational element to it. I, the CEO of Ford, I think it was a Mobile World Congress just a couple months ago, and he said, look, when we take a look at what Ford is, we, we, we're not actually talking about cars, we're talking about data, and we're talking about the platform, which an ecosystem and how we engage with that. That's a completely revolutionized way of thinking. Congratulations for you in 2015 realizing that. But it is, I mean, all of this is how it interacts together and, and how you're able to, to analyze that data um, and how you're able to I love it. I love this 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 commentary because it is it's it's real time, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's contextual. It's all the stuff we say at 11FS. Somewhere Jason Bates is going crazy. I'm getting every <laughs> buzzword he loves, but that's the reality. But you got to have the the ecosystem. You have to have the platforms underneath that that can manage that. I guess that's the lift that Lacorda and, and actually brings, correct? And it's cryptographically sealed, so it's secure. So security is a massive, you know, kind of focus point now. Um, as well. So I think that's really important what people are focused on also. And that's really one of the big differentiators of Corda. You know, we're not the typical blockchain where it's a gossip network, where everyone on the network receives all the information. Only parties that need to see the information see it. So it's shared on a bilateral, multilateral basis. And I think that's really what's kind of attracted the insurance industry. Because think about, you know, especially personal data. You can't have that, you know, currently cryptograph, you know, sealed. But what happens, you know, SHA-256 is unhackable right now but that may not be the case in the future. So why do parties that don't need to see the information see it? Can you please go to Facebook and have a discussion <laughs> with Zuck uh, about this, please? I'll be in San Fran next week, I'll, I'll drop we'll by. Set that up, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can Zuck, do for you. dinner? Yeah, there you go, <laughs> on him. He can barbecue, he's real good at that now. Um, so what comes next? What comes next for R3, especially when we're talking about the insurance space? If you were here next year or the year after, where do you think we're gonna be? Especially on that, on that hype cycle. Yeah. So we started to see the ROI report. So um, one of our partners called Risk Block Alliance just published their first um, ROI report. And it shows in year one, 100 million and scaling up to 400 by year four, uh, which is pretty significant. And these are relatively small applications. First notice of loss and proof of insurance um, are the, the applications that they're going live with. So I think that that's phase one, the expense ratio. Phase two is really these new products. And that's where I think the insurance industry is going. Um, and we're also, now that we open source the platform, starting to see other industries um, build on it. So now we have healthcare applications coming in. We have energy, oil, and gas. We have autos. And it's really fascinating. Did you expect that when you did that? So I, I don't think, you know, when we started out in this journey, you know, we were working with the banks and insurers and exchanges. Um, we thought we'd see all these industries out there to be honest. Um, we are really focused on financial services, but it's been fascinating to kind of see these other industries start to focus on Corda. 
that's actually pretty neat. Um, good luck on the healthcare side. The <laughs> <laughs> we can talk after for that. All right, so for the, the folks that are listening, where's the best place to learn more about what you're doing at R3? Yeah, absolutely. So R3.com, we have a ton of um, white papers, research, um, online trading modules for business as well as technical. Also, Corda.net, you know, um, you can go on and we have like basic Corda app. Um, templates hello world so you can learn how to build on it so ton of free resources out there always feel free to reach out to the team you know insurance at r3.com well happy to answer any questions or hop on a call all right well hey tell mark i said hey absolutely the barbecue and uh, i'd like to do an interview <laughs> with them sometime absolutely <laughs> Thanks, thank Ryan. you and last but by no means least i had the chance to catch up with rashman Mulgari, co-founder of cover wallet I'm Sarah Kachansky, and welcome to InsureTech Insider. Today, I'm joined by Rashmi McGarry, co-founder of CoverWallet. How are you today, Rashmi? Good. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, so we haven't had you on the show before, so could you please start off by giving us an overview of what CoverWallet does and uh, maybe a little bit of an origin story? Yeah, of course. So CoverWallet is the easiest way to understand, buy, and manage insurance for your small business. So we are an online platform that connects small business owners um, together with basically insurance carriers um, and small business owners can come to coverwallet.com. They can tell us a few pieces of information about their company. Uh, and at the end of that, actually get um, quotes online uh, and be able to choose from um, different products from different uh, insurance carriers to actually get coverage for their business. Um, in addition to being able to actually just buy insurance online, um, it provides a really a wealth of information and advice um, for small business owners around insurance and, and covering their business and really beyond insurance and I think general small business advice. Um, and then it also has this really cool self-service platform um, where um, insureds or small business owners can do a number of things related to their policy where kind of traditionally you would have to call your agent to get those done, right? Um, so that's what um, CoverWall is. Uh, we operate in the U.S. and all uh, in all states. Um, and uh, recently, as of uh, last year, expanded into Europe. And so we're in a couple of countries in Europe right now as well. So we're live in Spain and Switzerland. So in terms of the origin story, so uh, um, together with my co-founder, um, I started CoverWall in 2015. We launched in 2016. My co-founder and I went to business school together um, back at MIT in 2007 to 2009. So we had known each other for a while. Um, and then around in 2015, we decided we wanted to start something together. Um, truthfully, we had, we had a couple of different ideas of, the type of you know, a company we wanted to start. Um, and we kept coming back to um, commercial insurance. We'd both had experiences in it. My co-founder um, had been an entrepreneur before and actually dealt firsthand with buying business insurance and knew that the experience of it in the U.S. Now, I think in the U.K., um, it's actually uh, moved online much faster than it took in the U.S. But, you know, even when we were starting the company, the traditional process was, you know, you went online to look for insurance. You couldn't buy it online, but what you could get was a list of insurance agents in your neighborhood. And so that's what you did. You entered your zip code, you got a list of agents, and you didn't know anyone from anyone else, and you just called, uh, and you gave your information over the phone, and it typically took two to three weeks to get a quote back. Um, or, you know, you might, uh, or the agent might ask you to come into the office and sit down and do that whole process. Um, so it was this very offline, um, non-customer-centric uh, 
kind of experience that we thought that our backgrounds would apply well to in terms of being, you know, technology and product and customer experience oriented. We thought we could make a real difference in that space. So it sounds like one of the problems you're solving is obviously saving small business owners time. And I think it's kind of, it doesn't matter if you're in the US or the UK or out of Mongolia, if you're a small business owner, time is like your most precious commodity. Um, what, what kind of other problems would you say you're solving? You know, were there areas of coverage that weren't provided? Were people getting the wrong kinds of policy and finding they weren't covered? You know, is it cheaper to do it this way? What other areas are you tackling? Yeah, great question. So definitely time, like you said, um, And, you know, I think also kind of peace of mind and trust. So, you know, one of the issues when you have such a manual process, like I described, which is, you know, kind of the the way it used to work before CoverWallet, is the coverage you get is really subject to that agent that you're working with, right? They don't have an exhaustive sort of online marketplace where they can put in your information and then get multiple quotes back and present all those quotes to you or even to themselves. So, you know, they, they were really in their head kind of broking um, what market they wanted to go to with this information because there was no single entry, multiple quotes, right? So they were doing the math in their head about, okay, where do I think I can get coverage for this customer? And also, is it worth my time? Right. So they're kind of, they're kind of doing that math as they should as small business owners themselves to say, you know, I think this customer's probably going to wind up paying $2,000 in premium. I could go with this carrier and their system, or I could go with this carrier and their, you know, offline system that takes a long time and is a lot of effort for me, but might be a cheaper price for them. You know, and at the end of the day, they're doing their job and they're really, yeah, you know, balancing out getting the best possible coverage for that customer, but also, you know, being a smart business owner themselves and thinking about ease of use and time on their end. So, you know, what I really love about what CoverWallet has done is, you know, we've used technology to actually take away all of that human bias around, you know, which is the easiest company to work with, which one's going to save me the most time as an agent, et cetera, so that we're just connecting through technology, the end customer directly with what's available in the market and they can choose. Now, in between all of that is still a licensed agent, right? We have all of our CoverWallet agents who present all the coverages to you um, if you want them to, if you can call in, you know, that's all free. That's all part of the service. Um, They'll walk through all the quotes, they'll advise you, but they're not kind of having to make that decision about, um, oh man, this is so manual. You know, what's the easiest thing for me to do as the intermediary? They're just there to support and advise you. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we're offering is really the sense of kind of trust and peace of mind uh, along with time. So um, when you're talking about the agents there, uh, is your service um, sort of white labeled, if you like? Can agents use CoverWallet? So if they get a small business approach them, they can then turn to you and, as you say, save the agent time? Or is it um, purely like a a direct-to-consumer business? Yeah, great question. So up until late last year, it was just direct-to-consumer. And in December of 2018, we launched what is called CoverWallet for Agents. So, um, you know, really early on at the company, we, we started to get independent agents reaching out to us and asking, hey, will you white label this? <laughs> right? Because they were like, I just went through it and it was super easy. It's easier than what I currently have, as I just described. Um, and so, yeah, late last year, we actually launched that. We have a number of agents on the platform now. And it's exactly that. It's a system where you know someone off the street comes in and to this neighborhood agent or finds them through the traditional process. And they're able to use um, their white labeled CoverWalt platform to service that customer and have single entry, multiple quotes. Brilliant. And, and it seems like that's a way that, um, that that you can cover more that way as well in terms of you getting, you know, selling more policies or, or, you know, your business model. It sounds like that's a way to scale quicker as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, really what we're 
when we started the company, we said, we're, we always said we're going to reinvent the distribution of small business insurance, right? It doesn't have to look the way that I just described it in 2015. And so, you know, this, this to us is just another channel for kind of, um, you know, uh, really getting out there the cover wallet way, the customer centric way of delivering small business insurance. There's, um, there's another way we do that as well, which, you know, is really interesting, which is we have an API that's available to any kind of business that has, that deals with lots of small businesses. So for example, you know, we have a number of partners like that. So QuickBooks, right? Let's take QuickBooks into it. If you, if you use, um, QuickBooks as your online, um, accounting software, uh, and you go to their small business, you know, toolbox, Coverwall will be listed there um, as the preferred insurance provider. And that's great. And you could click on the link and go to coverwall.com and um, get insurance through us. But what we've actually made available to them and all of our partners is um, an API environment, with, which means without leaving QuickBooks or without leaving WeWork or any of these partners that we have, you can actually just, uh, within their environment, enter in your information or not even enter it again because QuickBooks already has it or WeWork already has it. And you can, again, get online competitive quotes uh, and buy them all right there. Coverwall is obviously a licensed agency in the background uh, supporting all of that. But again, it's just another way that we said, you know, what we built is really just so much easier um, for the small business owner, which is ultimately who we care about. And um, so we're just looking at all avenues to kind of get that experience out there. So we're just making the lives of SMB owners easier. Yeah, it sounds like you're taking full advantage of all the different technologies available. I mean, the, the, the use of APIs recently and, and the things they can do for businesses, you know, it'd be, it'd be silly not to take advantage of that, particularly when you've got networks like QuickBooks, which you can just tap into. So uh, can you talk us talk to us a little bit about your business model? Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty core question. Um, you know, how, how do you make money? Yeah, so, um, you know, CoverWallet's model is uh, commission-based, right? So we, much like a traditional agent, uh, when we do business with a carrier, we earn a percentage of that premium, and that's our that's our commission. So we have a, a pretty traditional, <laughs> although what we're doing, how we're doing it is not traditional, we have a pretty traditional revenue model in terms of how we make money. Well, I imagine that your costs are significantly lower than a traditional agent's, especially if they're a chain, right? You don't have to pay, you know, overheads on, on you know, employees and storefronts and stuff like that. That's right. Yeah. So we have, uh, yeah, just like any, you know, good technology company, we definitely, you have a lot of upfront costs, right, around sort of the technology that you're building. And and uh, you always have the ongoing costs of the product and engineering, etc. But, you know, I think what we're able to do is actually have our revenues and our profits outpace our headcount and our overhead. So um, that's excellent news. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, so what, what changes did you have to make, if any, to the product when you moved into Europe? Because the, the insurance industry here is, is really quite different um, from the US. And again, I imagine like Switzerland and Spain, I think you said were well, the two countries are very different from each other. So did that require sort of much uh, change to your product to, to find market fit? Yeah, um, you know, not too much. And so you know, just to, to back up for a second, the when I think about the word product, it's really... Um, there's two versions of that for CoverWallet. One is the online customer experience of using the online platform, whether that's CoverWallet for agents or the direct-to-consumer platform. And then there's the actual insurance product itself, right? The policy and the coverage that you're buying. Um, and so when it comes to the insurance policy and coverage itself, we are we are not the provider of that, right? We sit between the insurance carriers and the end customers. So we actually don't, uh, I mean, we, we advise, we give feedback to the carriers on, hey, we're seeing this, or, you know, you may want to consider offering a product that has a higher limit because we're seeing customers opt for that, et cetera. Uh, but we're not solely dictating that quote unquote product. Um, and so 
you know, when we entered into Europe, um, one of the reasons we did it, or, or, you know, we were actually approached by um, Zurich Insurance, right, one of the largest insurance carriers, where they were saying, you know, we've never gone direct online, but we'd like to. Um, and what you guys have built in the U.S. is just very easy and well-designed. And we'd actually like to go direct as Zurich in Europe, but Zurich powered by Cover Wallet. So that's what exists in Spain um, and um, Switzerland. It's Zurich powered by Cover Wallet, and it's taking their small business insurance products that are offered um, in those countries and making it a very easy, direct online platform experience for the end customer who's online looking for that. So would you plan to um, expand that so that you're offering policies from other providers or, or is this uh, sort of a, a, a one-player one uh, opportunity? Yeah, for now we're concentrated um we're concentrating on Zurich uh, as, as a partner and expanding across Europe. But, you know, I mean, in the future, anything could be possible. But for now, you know, Zurich's such a great partner and so big um, that we really think that that's where our focus is going to be. So that, that kind of answers my, my next and, and a final question, which is going to be like, what's next for you guys? So it sounds like this European expansion has happened quite recently. Is there anything else on the horizon you'd like to tell our listeners about? Yeah, you know, really, it's it's more investment into um, into the product. It's more, I think, investment to cover wallet for agents, right? We really want to make sure that this is, I shouldn't say make sure, but we see such an opportunity in the independent agent network and just satis- such satisfaction from those that are on it right now that we'd really like to um, you know, really have this be the default experience that small business customers are experiencing, whether that's in uh, the US or Europe. Brilliant. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Rashmi. If people want to find out more about you or the company, where should they go? Do you have a website, a Twitter handle that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So you can check us out at coverwallet.com. Um, and then for me personally, uh, I'm at, at uh, rmelgiri at Twitter. Uh, and then the company itself is at coverwallet on Twitter. So yeah, any one of those, please come visit us. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. We've really enjoyed having you on. All right. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of InsureTech Insider. Thanks to all our guests from Empire Startups New York Fintech Week and to my co-host, Sam Moore. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at InsureTech Insiders. And if you like what you've heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out on Twitter or email podcast at 11fs.com. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.